Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to Exploring the Lord of the Rings. This is session number 184. It is May the 4th. May the 4th be with you all. And uh, I'm glad to be back. It was uh, sad being away last week. Well, it's not that I was sad at the time, mind. Uh, I was on vacation with my family and we were having a great time. Uh, really good. One of the, really the first, like, kind of normal, like kind of normal, close to normal, uh, uh, kind of travel vacations we've had in a long time. It was really fun. Um, and, uh, uh, anyway, so it was all good. Um, but, um, I <laughs> sorry, just seeing the note, uh, from Hathalos there that, uh, his son was born and turned one during the council, uh, during our discussion of the council of Elrond. So there we go. But we are close, man. We are close. I'm telling you, uh, it is still my goal, still my goal, uh, to get through the rest of the council of Elrond by Mythmoot this year. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see if that, we'll see if that happens or not. Um, Right. JJ says just two or three more years and we'll be done with the council. No, no, we are quite close. Quite, quite close. Um, we'll see. We'll see how far we get. But in the spirit of um, uh, moving right along and getting towards the end of the chapter, I want, I want to go back to what we were talking about last week, uh, last time uh, at the beginning here. But first, just a quick reminder, um, uh, Mythmoot is coming up. Uh, Mythmoot, I'm getting really excited about Mythmoot. Great to be back to doing uh, uh, normal moots. Well, sort of normal moots. It is my hope. You know, I mean, I've been seeing some discussions in other places and stuff. Um, it is certainly my hope that there are many, there are going to be many long-term gains, I think, uh, you know, from the whole pandemic experience. And one of them is going to be, I believe, uh, a much more robust hybrid opportunity for folks who can't physically make it. Every year there's always been, even though I've always enjoyed Mythmoot so much and it's been great to see everybody who's been able to come. I know that many people haven't been able to come. And of course, you'll remember that before the pandemic came, we had already begun to, um, uh, make that more accessible to folks who were not able to be there with us. Um, it's really going to be really fun to be able to kind of take that next step and to make it into a really, um, a really full, uh, fully hybrid experience uh, this coming year. And I, I see no reason why we're not going to do something very similar uh, in, uh, uh, in the future as we move forward. So anyway, that's something that I am excited about. Uh, and I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what we can do and how we can do it to make this year's Mythmoot a really wonderful um, experience. Now, the second thing I wanted to mention about Mythmoot is to remind you, yes, as Doraward was just mentioning, um, we have our Mythmoot merch available. Uh, those I know many people have enjoyed getting our conference t-shirts and stuff like that. Um, we have, uh, uh, we'll post the link here in, uh, in Discord and uh, on Twitch um, uh, if we can, but we have the... Um, 
we have a, a, a special merch site. Um, so instead of like one of the problems that things that we always struggled with in earlier moots um, was, you know, when you're like selling T-shirts on site, as you know, has been customary in at conferences, there's so much waste, you know, because you have to you order. You don't know how you know what sizes to order. And so you order a whole bunch and you, you know, uh, you sell many of them, but many of them you don't. And then what do you do? You know, it's 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 tough. Um, but anyway, we have now our Redbubble site. Um, so anyone can order whatever they want in their own style and in their own sizes. Uh, um, and you can do that in advance. There's plenty of time uh, to get your stuff delivered um, uh, prior to um, uh, prior to the prior to the move. Right. Michael says one way you do you handle that is you don't change your design uh, for a decade. Right. That's that's one method. That's one method, but not one we're fond of uh, at MythMood. Um, but um, uh, but anyway, yeah. So, right. There's the link uh, on the Discord channel and on Twitch uh, for folks to be able to see. Um, uh, you can get your MythMood merch. Um, I'm gonna. I think. I think I'm planning to come with a a Miss Mo, a Myth Moot mask, so I can have I can have a thematic mask uh, for the for for the week. Now, Michael asks if there's a hard registration deadline. There probably will be, Michael. This is this is. I, I'm always fighting. Always, always fighting. There's not been a single event we've ever done where I haven't been in like a, uh, you know, this this like tug of war with the venue. Right, the venue always wants us to close registration as early as possible so we can say here's the definite numbers, and I always want to keep it open until the last second if at all possible. Um, but. Um, uh, but but yeah, I I, I um, there probably will be, um, but it's not for a little while yet. Um, if you have any sort of questions or concerns, um, uh, you should email um, email info at signumu.org, uh, and we can talk about sort of parameters uh, when you think you might be able to. Dorward is right that it's. Um, one of the trickiest things, we have only a limited number of rooms available. Um, that's been one of the hardest things is that, you know, so there, there are rooms on site you can stay in. Now, there are other hotels nearby, but it's really fun to be able to kind of be on site with everybody else. Um, so, um, so yeah, the rooms are going to be sort of the greatest scarcity, I think. But um, uh, any news on the schedule? Not yet, JJ, other than that, I believe it to be coming soon. Uh, there's, I know that there has been work on that. Uh, that has been in process. I don't think it's quite ready for release yet, uh, but, uh, but getting there. We are, we are definitely moving in that direction. Um, very, very imminent, says Dorward. Okay, excellent. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, there, there, there are definitely, um, uh, we're definitely going to be going to be on that pretty soon. So Mythmoot, very exciting. And of course, I'm looking forward. I'm already looking forward uh, to uh, starting up regional moots again this year. Um, and there's another place where it's going to be really interesting because, uh, again, another place where I'm going to want to be able to be including more people. But there it's challenging because, um, you know, it's... Uh, it's not that we want to exclude people from regional moots, but they kind of cease to be regional, you know, if like everybody can join every moot, like it's anyway, so we'll see, uh, we'll see, we'll see how we end up handling it. Um, but, um, uh, but yeah, so, um, let's see, evil Dr. Cannon, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but there have been, um, um, uh, but that we've, we've had a bunch of live attendance registrations so far. I think we're, I don't remember. <laughs> I'm not, not going to quote a number because I might be wrong. Um, uh, but um, 
but yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be a good time. It's also been a weird registration season because timing has been strange. Um, but yeah, uh, keep an eye on the MythMoot website and there will be updates there. Anyway, I better get back to the text if I'm going to have any hope of finishing MythMoot by, or far, sorry, finishing the Council of Elrond by MythMoot, which is what I want to do. So as I said before, in the interest of that, we're going backwards. Well, we're just going to kind of pause on the thing that we were ending uh, talking about last. So uh, Terrence Aries on Twitter, I got this tweet while I was on vacation, um, and said, hey, remind me of this before class next Tuesday. Uh, And he kindly did. Uh, So here's his tweet. He said, in the latest episode, you keep saying, when will come the day of our revenge, where the text reads, when will the day come of our revenge? And that struck me, because your way is much more natural than the published way. Any thoughts on this? I thought that was a fascinating ops. I had no idea that I was misquoting it. When I was reading it, I kept shifting it around. Um... Uh, I kept shifting it around, uh, you know, in my uh, uh, in my head, apparently, like I was saying it wrong. I didn't realize I was saying it wrong, Um, but it doesn't surprise me because I also find when will come the day of our revenge more natural. And of course, it's more natural because think about the difference in the word order there. Right. The difference um, is uh, both the sort of the flipping of the subject and the verb. Right. When will come. Right. Will come being the verb and the day. Right. When. So the day is the subject and will come is the verb. Um, And of course, it's reversed because it's a question. That's what you do. Right. It's how you make a question in English. So um, when will come the day of our revenge? And also that impulse not to separate the helping verb and the linking verb. It can or the, the helping verb and the main verb, rather. It can sometimes happen. So will come. Right. So the one. So the thing that the word order in the published text, um, the thing that the word order in the published text does, um, there's sort of two things that it does at once, which are both uh, unusual, right? Which make it feel, I think, as Terrence was saying, um, a little bit less natural. One is to half flip the verb, the subject verb order, right? Again, normally verb comes before the subject in a question. Um, in the way that Glowen says it, when will the day come? The subject is in the middle of the verb, right? Um, you know, will and day are in the kind of proper interrogative order, um, but come is comes after day, right? Like it does in a normal statement. So, and and what's more, the day, right? Your noun phrase there um, comes right in the middle of like right between the helping verb and the main verb. So that's um, strange, right? It's not unknown. Um, it's not ridiculous, but it's, it's odd. It's, it's definitely odd. And I can see why when not paying attention, I kept flipping it around in my head. Exactly. Bjarnason or the way that, um, um, the way that, uh, it breaks the, 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 the thing into two. Yeah. The, the verb phrase into two. Absolutely. Um, now I like the idea so here's the thing. Some people are suggesting maybe the day of our revenge is like a single noun in Dwarvish. And believe me, I would not be in the least bit surprised if in Kuzdal there were a separate noun that just meant the day of our revenge, right? Um, that would make a lot of sense. But notice, actually, that um, the way that the word order, like my, the way I was accidentally misreading it would lead to, towards that more naturally, Right. Um, That is, if it were true 
that you were rendering as a, a modern English phrase, the day of our revenge. If, if you were rendering in that way a single word or word concept from Kuzdul, um, well, you'd keep it together, like I was unconsciously trying to do, right? When will come the day of our revenge? But that's not how Glowen says it. So the way that Glowen says it... Um, uh, right, Emily says, when will our revenge day come? Yes, exactly. Um, uh, yes, but they, what they do accomplishes two things, right? It both splits up the verb, right, will come, and it splits up the whole noun phrase, the day of our revenge, right? Um, both of those get chopped up in the order in which he says it. So that's interesting. Uh, interesting in one of the, it's like interesting in one of those ways that I just like I I don't believe that Tolkien just kind of like plopped that down and was like whatever, right? I mean, I think he thought about this. Um so I ask, I ask myself, what is the effect? So when Terence was asking me do I have any thoughts on this, I'm like, yeah. Man, I got a bunch of thoughts <laughs> on this. Um and, uh, you know, my, um, my main thought is that obviously the, the difference is where the phrase the day or the word day, if we don't count the article, right, um, where the noun day falls. Um, and in the printed text, it moves the noun up, right? When will the day come? of our revenge instead of when will come the day of our revenge. One of the things that I find that I can't, um, uh, that I can't avoid is the difference in, in shift. Now I, I, I'm agreeing. Well, I, I think I agree with the people. At least I don't disagree with the people who are saying that the, of our revenge, I like uh, the way that Turnbar was just putting it that, um, uh, of our revenge, would have been sort of implied, um, you know, but he's adding it for the benefit of the non-dwarves as an afterthought, right? Like, um, uh, yes, I, and, and uh, that would kind of play into Arambar to, the, to that idea, right? That there's like a word for day, like, or the day of our revenge in, in Dwarvish, which he'd translate as day, right? Um, and then like among dwarves, he wouldn't have to say anything else, right? He would just say, when will the day come? Right. Uh, and they would all know that, of course, the day in question is, uh, you know, the day of our revenge. Um, and uh, so I, 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 I could see. But then he clarifies like he, he just uh, pops on the prepositional phrase at the end uh, there to, to kind of clarify for the non-dwarves in the room. Right. And I like that reading. Um, but again, that's not the difference in the word order. That right, the difference in the word order is where the word day comes, um, and by reworking it in my head unconsciously, right into the more natural word order, which keeps the verb together and keeps the whole noun phrase together. When will come the day of our revenge? Um, in the way that I was misreading it last time, by doing that, one of the consequences I think is that the emphasis falls on the verb. When will come the day of our revenge? Right. Uh, saying in, in my ear anyway, when will come the day of our revenge? 
that's a question about coming, right? When will the day come of our revenge is a question about the day, right? It really, in my mind, lays, especially because the day has been kind of promoted in the word order. It's again, it's the word day that's in a weird place. It's in an unusual place. And as it is, since it is an unusual place, um, it, uh, it strikes me that again, that, that, that just, it really lays extra emphasis on that, which again, in my mind, um, I think it's, it's, um, it makes a lot of sense, right? It makes a lot of sense in this sort of dwarvish con, uh, 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 context. It's not the verb. It's not the coming that he's focusing on. It's, it's the day, right? Um, when will it come? Yeah, that's sort of what you're asking, right? But, uh, but you're talking about the day. And so the way that the day, parentheses, of our revenge, right, is foregrounded uh, there seems to me to... To fit, I think it's it's even like a stronger statement uh, in that way, a stronger statement, a stronger sort of emphasis of. Uh, I was going to say hope, not hope, longing, perhaps longing uh, for the day of revenge, the day of uh, justice, uh, that, um, or at least of vengeance. Uh, you know, which uh, you know perhaps he doesn't think will uh, will actually come, um, but um, yeah. Yeah, yes, it is long delayed. Erd, you are absolutely right. Um, uh, hmm, sorry, Health Castle, I was just thinking about your comment there. I'm not sure. Health Castle was suggesting that the shift in the word order changes of our revenge from an adjectival to an adverbial phrase. It looks like that because, of course, it's immediately adjacent to uh, the verb. Right. But I don't, I don't think so. I think it would still modify day. Um, um, I don't think you can. Can you? Can you begin an adverbial phrase with of? I think all of phrases are always adjectival, aren't they? I can't think of any counterexamples to that. But anyway, um, nevertheless, it, it, it does kind of separate it, certainly. If it's a dwarvish word, it can, sure, sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, now, uh, Tim Duff's, I, yeah, the dwarves had their day of revenge against Smaug. See, that's really interesting, Tim Duff, because, um, no, you know, I mean, in a sense, no. Uh, Smaug dies, yes. Yes, yeah, Smaug dies, right? But they don't get to kill him. Um, Though they never seem very keen on that, frankly, in The Hobbit. Um, but, I mean, in part, I, I I don't know. I don't know. The Hobbits are strange. The Hobbit dwarves, I mean, are strange. The dwarves from The Hobbit are, are odd. Um, they don't quite fit. You know, they're the big transition point for dwarves in Tolkien's world. I mean, I, I think, honestly, I think as soon as Thorin crawls out of the barrel um, on the shores of the lake... Tolkien's dwarves are never the same again from that moment on. Um, it's like the they're, they're the moment of their rebirth and emergence, right? Um, but um, uh, but anyway, uh, I mean, it just it seems to me like that's that's that just that's kind of the moment to me. That's sort of the turning point. Um, uh, it's, it's it's the turning point of their career. Um, 
but they're still only becoming. They haven't gotten there yet. You know, there's this disjunction between the dwarves in The Hobbit and the dwarves of the earlier um, Silmarillion tradition. Um, and there's, uh, you know, and they haven't yet fully developed into what we're going to see with Glowen and then much more so with Gimli uh, as we move forward. And then, of course, on into Appendix A as he is developing and, and uh, working out the backstory of the of the dwarves. Um, but, um, yeah, anyway, uh, I, I just, uh, so yeah, the hot, <laughs> whichever direction you're looking at it, whether you're looking back at the Hobbit from the Lord of the Rings or you're looking forward at the Hobbit, you know, from, uh, uh, you know, the Quentin Olderinwa or something like that. Um, the, the door, you know, Thorin and company seem like kind of bad data points. Uh, but, um, anyway, anyway. Okay. That's all. That's all. That's all I wanted to say. Uh, but I was just, I, I thought it was fascinating that, uh, Terrence caught, caught me out on misreading that. And I think it was, uh, as soon as he mentioned it, I was thinking that's, yeah, that's totally not coincidental. Um, that's a, that's a significant screw up. Um, so I wanted to talk about that. So back to the slide we were doing last time, um, as we are transitioning out of that, when will the day come of our revenge? We didn't get to talking too much about the three last time. And I want to look at this last paragraph as a springboard into the next slide, which is all about the three rings. So I'm going to read that last bit and then we'll go straight into the next slide and talk about the whole thing. Right. But still there are the three, he says, is still Glowin speaking. What of the three rings of the elves? Very mighty rings, it is said. Do not the elf lords keep them? Yet they too were made by the dark lord long ago. Are they idle? I see elf lords here. Will they not say... The elves returned no answer. Did you not hear me, Glowen? said Elrond. The three were not made by Sauron, nor did he ever touch them. But of them it is not permitted to speak. So much only in this hour of doubt I may now say. They are not idle. But they were not made as weapons of war or conquest. That is not their power. Those who made them did not desire strength or domination or hoarded wealth, but understanding, making, and healing to preserve all things unstained. These things the elves of Middle-earth have in some measure gained, though with sorrow. But all that has been wrought by those who wield the three will turn to their undoing, and their minds and hearts will become revealed to Sauron if he regains the one. It would be better if the three had never been. That is his purpose. But what then would happen if the ruling ring were destroyed, as you counsel? said asked Glowen. We know not for certain, answered Elrond sadly. Some hope that the three rings which Sauron has never touched would then become free, and their rulers might heal the hurts of the world that he has wrought. But maybe, when the one has gone, the three will fail, and many fair things will fade and be forgotten. That is my belief. Yet all the elves are willing to endure this chance, said Glorfindel, if by it the power of Sauron may be broken, and the fear of his dominion be taken away forever. Okay. Um, there's a lot here. <laughs> this is what we're talking about tonight. So, okay. Um, first I want to discuss, um, first I want to discuss, um, the error 
of Glowen. The error of Glowen that um, Elrond immediately calls out, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Genghis Galahad, which is a funny name. Um, yeah, uh, Glowen's word, is, his name is definitely two syllables. That's what the accent means there. Um, it's, it's definitely not Gloin, and, um, <laughs> and you should be glad that it's not Gloin, uh, because if it were, uh, then his relative Groin on the family tree <laughs> would really have gotten the short end of the stick, uh, name-wise. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, okay, anyhow, anyhow so Gloin, Gloin makes a mistake here. Now, on the one hand, um, uh, on the one hand, there's been a lot said, you know, like, uh, hard to blame, uh, an aged dwarf who has had no lunch, um, for making a mistake here. Um, but, um, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure what to do with it. Um, here's what I mean. What of the three rings of the elves? Very mighty rings, it is said. Do not the elf lords keep them? Is it a question of Glowen not hearing him when he said, because he did say earlier on, um, uh, he did say that um, uh, that Sauron had not touched the uh, the the rings here. Yeah, selective hearing in part, Druid's fire. Yeah, um, exactly, Kit. That's what I'm more thinking here. Um, that um, he's saying what the dwarves believe of the elf rings. Um, yes, yes. And Fourth Dauntless was saying it sounds like Glowen is a stand-in for the reader here. It's a perfectly natural question for a first-time reader. It certainly is. It certainly is. No question. Um, um, but yes, I do think that he is, and I agree. Um, I agree, Bjorning in exile, that he's um, uh, that he's fishing for information here. Definitely. Um, also, remember, he has just laid his cards on the table, right? Um, indeed, I may now reveal that it was partly in hope to find that ring that Balin went away. Right? That we were talking about how that's a it's a significant confidence for. Glowen, the dwarf, as he is called at the beginning of that paragraph to offer, right? Um, it's a kind of a big deal. Um, is he, on the one hand, he's, I think, very clearly inviting reciprocity here, right? Um, but still, there are the three, right? Okay, so I've talked. Now, again, he's being diplomatic, right? Um, once again, because he could have just led with that, right? He could have just been like, so, Elf Lord, how about those three rings then, right? But he didn't do that. Instead, he starts with the seven. He starts with the dwarf rings. And 
reveals a confidential piece of information to the whole council, right? Which leads, of course, to the revelation that the ring of Durin, uh, you know, the, the, the ring of Durin's line has been lost, right? So that's, it's a big deal, right? All is now known. Everybody in the room now knows the worst um, about the dwarf rings. The greatest secret about the dwarf rings um, is now been revealed, right? So he first exposes all that. He puts all that out there. Right. Yes, he has been itching to ask this, I think, for a while, as uh, as we were talking about last time. Um, but he first lays his cards on the table and then he pushes. There are still the three. We've talked about the seven now. There are still the three. What of the three rings of the elves? Um, if we skip that sentence for a second the kind of the erroneous, controversial sentence, right? Very mighty rings, it is said. Do not the elf lords keep them? Are they idle? I see elf lords here. Will they not say? All of that seems exactly, perfectly natural, right? Very mighty rings. Yeah. Those are a big deal. Like, you'd think they could maybe have some impact in a situation like this, right? Sauron doesn't have his ring, but we've got some rings on our side, don't we? Right? Uh, very mighty rings, you know, held by elf lords. I see elf lords here. That's, by the way, one of my favorite sentences, right? I see elf lords here. <laughs> well spotted, Glowen. Well spotted. Yes, you can see, you can spot the elf lords in a room full of elf lords. Um, but I, but again, it's it's a very indirect way of saying, like, come on, spill, spill, people, spill, right? You can't tell me that nobody in this room knows about the uh, the elf rings. In fact, he seems even... Piana <laughs> right? Sonner says, I spy with my little eyes something that starts with E. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, um, but yeah, I, the, the implication, I think, of I see elf lords here um, is at least one of y'all has to have one of the rings, right? I mean, I think he's calling out the fact that he's got to figure minimum one of the three rings is in the room right now, right? I mean, come on. If neither Elrond nor Gorfindel has one of the rings, then who does? I mean, okay, like Galadriel, worst kept secret in the Third Age. But still, um, I... Clearly, right? I mean, one of them... Gorfindel and Elrond, at least one of them, maybe both, have to have one of the elf rings, right? Um, <laughs> of course, Ray, there is Caliborn. You're so right. I'm sure, and most everyone would be assuming that Caliborn, like, has all three, right? Um, just because he's so wise and mighty. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you're right, Mad Violinist. It's a, it's a poorly kept secret to everybody but Tolkien at this point. Yeah, totally fair. Totally fair. Um, but, um, but yeah. Now, of course, we do know, um, in retrospect, uh, that two of the three rings are, in fact, in the room. Though I certainly think that that, that, that is a secret uh, uh, to Tolkien, uh, at that, or a secret from Tolkien at that time. Um, but, um, but anyway, uh, so... Someone, I forgot who it was, uh, it already went past... Um, 
was pointing out the brevity of his sentences, which I agree is very striking. You look back at his previous paragraph, right? Still, it might be well for all if all these strengths were joined and the powers of each were used in league. Other rings there may be, less treacherous, that might be used in our need. Um, all of his sentences are, are long and even sort of ornate, right? And then in this paragraph, what of the three rings of the elves? Very mighty rings, it is said. Do not the elf lords keep them? Are they idle? I see elf lords here. Will they not say? Um, it is a very striking shift in um, in diction, right? In in sort of uh, level here. Um, I I don't. <laughs> um, I think yeah, it it does sound a little terse. Yeah. Um, Michael, I agree. I don't think he's being rude. First of all, one thing to keep in mind that I don't want to lose sight of. I don't want to lose sight of the conclusions we were drawing about his ah, alas, at the beginning of this paragraph, right? I believe that Glowen is genuinely upset um, and that that ah, alas, probably is the printed representation of some kind of outcry um, very like very possibly you know in dwarvish that 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 frodo didn't catch or something um that he um uh anyway glowen has just cried out in what i suspect to be a completely spontaneous and wholly genuine grief and mourning um so to some extent i think that he is still collecting himself um and so he might not be uh, fully combobulated to construct his really long sentences. Um, but I also think he's not wanting to... I think it is a little terse. I think it is... Um, he's not being rude, but I think he feels, I don't know, the urge in some way to go in that, to go in that direction. Um, uh, I see elf lords here. Will they not say, will they not say, um, is I think a, a conspicuous question at the end, right? Um, it's not a question of like, can you not say, but are you, or are you not going to make the choice to, you know, reciprocate my openness that I was just showing to you guys now? And, you know, everybody's been putting things on the table here, right? The Frodo, you know, the, the halfling over there is shown the ring of power where we're all here. You know, Gandalf is asking, what are we going to do with it and everything? And um, um, and yet you guys are still like we're, we're, we're talking about rings of power here and no one's even mentioned the three rings of the elves, very mighty rings, you know, um, I see elf lords here. What gives? What gives? Will they not say? Um, exactly, Lady Lakata. The assumption is that the elves can say, um, can say if they want to. Um, uh, yes, yes. Um, will they not say? Um, is really the only choice. No, but so now, but but I've been skipping, and I want to come back to. Yet they too were made by the Dark Lord long ago. Um, and Kit, I think that. Um, it would be no surprise if the dwarves believed this, because, of course, their rings, the dwarf rings, were 
made by the Dark Lord long ago, right? Um, they have, like, had to reconcile themselves to the fact that these rings of power, which they still valued, which they still consider theirs, right, um, such that Glowen cries out and is talking about the day of their revenge um, when he finds that the ring was taken um, and the ring of his people has been lost, um, they still very much identify with it, right, and claim it for their own. Um, they've, you know, had to get over the in, the uncomfortable <laughs> fact um, uh, in uh, uh, that the Dark Lord made it, and yet they claimed it for themselves. That they would assume, basically, at least assume, that the elf rings were in the same position, um, that they might want to... Uh, um, that they believed that they and the elves were on a par there, right? Um, uh, makes sense. Um, and Flamifer, I agree that the ring poem itself does sound ambiguous. Um, it does sound ambiguous. Um, well, though Flamifer... Hang on a second. Three rings for the elven kings under the sky, seven for the dwarf lords on, on, their, on, on the dwarf lords on their dark thrones. That's so wrong. Uh, the dwarf lords in their halls of stone. Nine for mortal men doomed to die. One for the dark lord in his dark throne. Huh. <laughs> yeah, JJ, exactly. Um, you know, I never noticed about the ring poem before. When we talked about it, we spent so much time talking about the rhythm that I neglected to notice one of the most obvious things about it. There are no verbs. I mean, there are, but they're all, they're all, there are no subjects or verbs, Bjorning. Exactly. Um, no, no verbs anywhere. Whether the verb be about making or the verb be about giving or any of that. Yeah. There's no verb there at all. That is completely fascinating. Right? And so you're saying, all right, let's go. We have, clearly we have to start again. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, but see, this just, it just goes to say you can never go slow enough. You can never go slow enough. Right? You're always going to miss stuff. Always, 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 always. Um, sorry, and now I'm just like reciting the ring poem to my in in my head. Um, that is completely fascinating. And yes, Flamifer, you're right that the um, the ring verse uh, is Elvish lore. Right, so that's that's um, uh, the elves made that. Um, yeah, yeah. No verbs until you get to all the verbs that Sauron is going to do. Yeah, to rule, to bind, to find. Yeah, yeah, Matt, you're right. Um, True, true. Lapilia and JJ and, and Mad Violence are all pointing out that the, the men are dying, which is a verb, 
still a verb. True, true. Um, yeah. <laughs> They're still not the... They are very much the victims of that action rather than the doer of it, however. Um, um, but I agree, doomed to die does function as an adjective as a whole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah well, health counsel, if infinitives don't count, then there's not a singular verb in that entire poem. I don't know if it's true that I've never noticed that before, but I've certainly never thought about it before. Hmm. Fascinating. Anyway. <laughs> back to... Uh, um, back to here. Someone else was pointing out that yet they too were made by the Dark Lord long ago is the only declarative sentence uh, that he makes... Um, in uh, a string of interrogatives. Well, I see elf lords here is the other observation that he makes. Um, and that one seems a little snarky, right? Um, I see elf lords here. Will they not say? Um, there are two options, it seems. One was that Glowen is making a genuine error, that he did not like that business about Sauron not touching them went over his head um, or he's stirring it up a little bit here I don't want to totally abandon the stirring it up hypothesis but I can certainly see how the first one would come to be if it were accepted as a standard part of dwarvish lore that um, they would know about the elf rings and the human rings as well as the dwarf rings. They know that the dwarf rings were given to them by Sauron. Um, uh, they, and again, but they've kind of made peace with that fact. Um, they know that the human rings were given to the humans by Sauron, but of course those weak humans capitulated, right? Um, you know, they were corrupted by them like the dwarves weren't obviously. Right. Um, so, you know, that just kind of goes to show that they would assume that the elves, at least assume, um, uh, if not actually kind of twist the story uh, into believing um, that um, the elves were in the same position, right? That the elves, like the dwarves, were uh, uh, were given the rings by Sauron. It's possible um, uh, that um, he does think it's sort of propaganda, Um Elvish propaganda, as Fourth Dauntless says. Um, yes, I think that's possible. Um, yeah, um, Bjorning in Exile, that's exactly what I'm kind of leaning towards myself, actually. That um, yet they too were made by the Dark Lord long ago. Elrond gets all indignant, or sounds kind of indignant. Did you not hear me, Glowen? The three were not made by Sauron, nor did he ever touch them. Um, okay. But, um, but I did. 
hear you, Elrond. Um, see, because here's what I want to say. Are the three rings uncorrupted? Are they truly uncorrupted? I'm not convinced of that. I'm not disbelieving Elrond. I'm not even saying that Elrond is, uh, you know, believes himself to be correct, but is mistaken. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that um, uh, that project, Celebrimbor's Ring of Power project, was still done in collaboration with Sauron. Sauron was still playing him. Um, and I think that there's reason to think that the Three Rings are still a bad idea. Still a bad idea, despite the fact um, that Sauron did not himself actually make them. Not only that, there's another sense in which what Elrond says is, I think, not true. Nor did he ever touch them. Well, physically, no. But his power does touch them. As Elrond goes on to confess as Celebrimbor was aware of from the first moment that Sauron made the One Ring. Sauron's power reached out to encompass and control and dominate the Three Rings of the Elves, right? Sauron did touch them. Sauron could have touched them, and if Sauron gets his rings back, his ring back, then he will touch them for sure. Um, you know, touch them and those who wield them, right? Um... So I, um, um, yeah, and Finn, whether or not they're actually made to Sauron's recipe, um, uh, itself, I can imagine, I can imagine that Celebrimbor's work, I mean, Sauron, um, uh, it makes me think of Melkor, uh, and Feanor. Right. And Melkor trying to say that, um, uh, you know, Feanor in making the Silmarils had been like taking his advice. Right. You know, Melkor trying to kind of indirectly lay claim to the Silmarils, which were told as a lie by the impartial Elvish narrators right, of that story. Um, but. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Watson, I agree uh, that uh, the rings may not be corrupted, but they're certainly compromised. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. Um, so I do think there's... Remember the context, right? Remember the context. This is all coming up in, in, in response to Elrond's big speech to Boromir and everybody, right, about the One Ring and how they can't possibly use the One Ring. That's got to be off the table, right? That, that option has to be completely off the table. And Glowen had just said other rings there may be less treacherous that might be used in our need. And he seems to be, in his mind, firmly putting the three rings also in the category of less treacherous rings, not safe rings, not untreacherous rings, right? Um, now, uh, is he simply mistaken, right? Is he being, is he kind of recycling dwarf lore, which turns out to be incorrect? And so he was kind of, did, didn't really hear that part because he thought he already knew, right? Um, 
it, yeah, it's possible. I think it's very possible. But I do, I do wonder if Glowin here is not just simply mishearing Elrond, but actually throwing shade here, right? Um, because by Elrond's own account, there's something sketchy. There's something sketchy about. Um, uh, there's something sketchy about the, the three rings, right? Um, Elrond says they are not idle, but they are not made of weapons of war or conquest. That is not their power. Those who made them did not desire strength or domination or hoarded wealth, but understanding, making, and healing to preserve all things unstained. These things the elves of Middle-earth have in some measure gained, though with sorrow. Why? Why? Why with sorrow? I think I've always kind of assumed that he's looking forward to the sorrow that he believes is going to come. Right? But I don't think so, because that's what he's moving on to in the next sentence. But all that has been wrought by those who wield the three will turn to their undoing. Um, these things that the elves of Middle-earth have in some measure gained, though with sorrow. And Stunned Duck, I absolutely agree uh, that the reference to hoarded wealth is uh, a bit of reflecting some of that shade back onto Glowen. Right, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Um, now, I agree, Evil Dr. Cannon, that to be in Middle-earth is to experience sorrow and the rings have prolonged their time in Middle-earth. Yes. I mean, prolonged in the sense that inspired them to stay instead of leaving to return to Elvenholm. Yes. Yes. And yes, they've had sorrow. I, I mean, yes. To be alive... In Middle-earth, you know, even if you're an elf, especially if you're an elf in some sense, is to have sorrow, right? Um, Here's what I'm trying to figure. I'm trying to figure, is he suggesting that there is sorrow intrinsic in the action of the Three Rings? That they have brought about sorrow? That, like, sorrow has been a side effect of the working of the Three Rings? Or has he just said... It's been great, but, you know, it still can't cure the sorrow of Middle-earth or anything, right? Like, it's... They've, um... Uh... They've helped us to achieve understanding, making, healing, preserving all things unstained, right? We've been able to do those things. Um, but, um... Uh... But, you know... We still have sorrow anyway. But it sounds to me, it sounds to me that he's saying more than that, though with sorrow. Um, exactly, Finn. It could be that he's saying, and yet sorrow still exists. But I don't know. I, I, I really think, I really think it is possible to take that sentence as meaning their sorrow is greater for having used the rings than it would have been had they not used the rings. 
Raglar, it's very possible that the futility of trying to preserve things unstained brings sorrow. Um, even if they succeed, like, say, within the, their little enclaves, right? Because they cannot heal all of the wounds of Middle-earth, right? Um, they can't. Um, but, you know, so even if you establish your nice little elf havens at Rivendell and Lothlorien, um, the very contrast, right, between this unstained world that you're preserving um, in your little area and the world around it is just is going to bring more sorrow, right? It's going to make it more and more obvious that you cannot, in fact, because notice, what are they trying to preserve unstained with the three rings? All things. All things, right? And they can't, they can't do that. These things the elves have in some measure gained. You know, some. To some extent. That's a fascinating way of putting it, Green Great Dragon. Are the three rings hoarding bliss? They're not hoarding power. They're not hoarding wealth. But they're hoarding bliss. And Green Great Dragon, that's a... That's an issue, right? I mean, like, that's a known issue. Um... There's a lot of bliss hoarding that goes on in the history of Middle-earth, isn't there? Lots. I mean, this is whether you go back to, you know, whether you look at the elf realms of the Third Age or you go back to Doriath or you go back to Valinor or, I mean, Gondolin. Exactly. I mean, there are lots and lots of examples of hoarded bliss. And Mad Violinist, I totally agree that the Valar taught the elves to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. One of the reasons why I, you know, that I still believe, um, and I hope no one will think I'm speaking with the tongue of Melkor when I say this, uh, that the Valar made a mistake, um, that they they were wrong when they brought the elves to Valinor. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Quit bogarting the bliss, Caliborn. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. It may be... Um, it may be that... Yeah, Bjorning in Exile. Yeah, I know Tolkien talks about the Valar being wrong about that. He, he flip-flops a bit. I was quoting... There's this shocking line in Morgoth's Ring uh, that we discussed last fall uh, when, in one of the revisions, the narrator uh, of the text like busts out and says like, you know, there are some who say that the Valar, you know, were wrong, uh, uh, you know, that, that they did wrong. But anyone who says that speaks with the tongue of Melkor. And I was like, whoo, okay. All right. No further questions. No further questions. Um, but uh, anyway, um, yeah. Um, What I'm trying, what I'm thinking about here, I'm trying to get the tone of Elrond's response as a whole, of his characterization of the work of the Three Rings. Because some of this, of course, we've already talked about. Um, they're not desiring strength or domination, understanding, making, and healing to preserve all things unstained. It's the preservation. It's that last part. Understanding, okay. Making, sure. 
Healing. Great. Preserving all things unstained. Now, here we have a problem, right? Um, if they had stopped at understanding, making, and healing. Now, it's not to say that there's no potential problem with that, right? I mean, uh, it's, there's no, there's no, I think there's no accident um, that um, the, those who have fallen the furthest, those who become the greatest of all of the villains or the greatest makers. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, exactly. Nancy's just pointing out that making can get you into trouble. It can, but it's not evil on its own. It's not a shady operation. You can can have too much of a good thing, right? Or at least you. it's a potential issue. Um, but, but, it's the preserving of all things unstained that I think really points to the problem. And I can't help but wonder if the sorrow that he alludes to is some kind of recognition that it's not okay, that it's not right, that it can't go on. No, Sauron didn't ever touch the Three Rings. But are they not the product of the Dark Lord, too? No, the elves did not desire strength or dominion or hoarded wealth, and he knew that. That's not how he was trying to get to the elves. Um, if Elrond doesn't see that, I'm not sure Glowen isn't right here. Um... Well, see, Fourth Thoughtless, I can almost agree with you there. Fourth Thoughtless says, I read that preservation line as an attempt to roll back original sin, to restore the world to the state as it should have been. Healing, yes, could point in that direction. Um, but no. No. Um, the world was already stained. There is nothing for them to preserve unstained, or if they believe that they can unstain the world, like as a as a verb, not not as an adjective, but as a verb, right? And they they have to unstain it, to destain it, right? Um, that's uh, that's asking a lot. The Valar can't do it, right? Um, you know, so I um. um I, th- I mean, I think they could tell themselves that, you know, and yeah, you're right. The elves never experienced Arda unmarred uh, GDC. That's exactly correct. And yes, Arda marred cannot be unmarred. Not even the Valar can do it. Yeah. So if they're trying, it's it's you can say it's a good impulse, but it would be very seriously stepping outside their bounds. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, for Thoughtless, I, I, I partially agree with you there. You say, I'm not so sure Sauron would have judged the elves rightly. Gandalf will later say uh, that Sauron knows, uh, know, you know, he measures all things in the scales of his malice. Um, 
Yes, I agree. I agree. Um, and I don't think that he, I mean, at the, in the end, he failed. In the end, he failed. Sauron failed, right? Celebrimbor didn't fall for it. Um, Celebrimbor remained free, and Celebrimbor did the right thing. Um, if Sauron had a plan, and I believe he did, right, the plan that Sauron had with the Three Rings did not work. At least it didn't work perfectly, right? It did not bring about the fruit that he wanted that plan to bear. So to that extent, Fort Thalos, I totally agree. I mean, just, yeah, absolutely. Like, it's proven in that sense that Sauron's, um, that Sauron did not really nail it. I think that Celebrimbor passed the test in the end. In the end. But I think he had moments, right? I think he had moments. Um, and um, I think that... Yeah, he did not accomplish what he wanted to accomplish, and and very likely, and clearly he did, still underestimate Celebrimbor to some extent. Um, but that doesn't mean he's completely wrong, right? Um, it doesn't mean that he's completely, um, uh, you know, that he had no idea, in a sense, right, like what he was doing. Um, that he just tried to tempt them with something that would not be tempting at all to them. Right. Um, I think it's clearly a temptation. I mean, I, I would go so far as to say it seems to me fairly clear that the rings of power, period, all of the rings of power, the entire rings of power project was a bad idea. This was a bad idea. This was a, uh, this was a terrible idea. Right. This was a terrible idea. Um, uh, and the three rings, I think, are not less of a terrible idea than the others. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, good. Kurtzimus is saying, I think where the three rings failed is when the elves keep them to themselves. Gandalf is the only one who uses the ring correctly. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Does that have to do with the sorrow, too? Right? Is that why the elves of Middle-earth have gained these things in some measure, though, with sorrow? Is it tainted? Do they feel it to be tainted, in a sense? Even their success, even the beauty and the the bliss that they have succeeded in hoarding, can they not really enjoy it because they know it's wrong on some level? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I'm not sure exactly how self-aware Elrond is on this point. I'm really not. Um... I gotta say, Elrond's initial reaction, did you not hear me, Glowen? He's a little testy there. The three were not made by Sauron, nor did he ever touch them. Okay, Elrond. A little sensitive on this point, are we? Right? No, no, no. My ring is not corrupt. <laughs> you take that back. <laughs> right? Um, uh... Of them it is not permitted to speak. Not permitted. By whom? Who's forbidden him? Of them it is not permitted to speak. Um, yeah, yeah, several of you are making my precious jokes uh, about, uh, <laughs> about, about Elrond. And, yeah, I mean, 
it, that's the thing, isn't it? Right? I mean, um, which, by the way, um, by the way, the... Um, <laughs> maybe we shouldn't underestimate the full significance of what Kieran the Shipwright did in giving up his ring to Gandalf, Right? We were just talking about Gandalf being the only one in the end who really uses his ring sort of properly, right? Maybe that's why. Maybe Círdan deserves a lot of props for that. Maybe Gandalf is in part enabled to do that because Círdan gave it up, right? Gave it up in that same way. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, but... <laughs> Yeah, um, JJ, I like your comment. You know, it is not permitted by me, right? Yeah, I mean, it's who's um, uh, whose higher authority is he responding to? I mean, okay, they've agreed that they won't talk about it, um, which is as much to say in response to Glowin's question: Will they not say? Answer: No. They will not. They do not choose to do so. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, is it possible because Gandalf is a Maya? See, I, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. And the reason I don't think so is that we've got lots of counterexamples here. Like being a being one of the Maiar does not mean you're making good choices with rings, right? I mean, like uh, uh, you know, even apart from the Sauron example, which is fairly obvious, there's Saruman, right? I mean, Saruman pretty much disproves the idea that the Astari, just because they were originally Maiar, are you know on a different level as far as their relationship to the rings is concerned. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Bjorning was just thinking about that too. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and you're right. You're right, Nancy. Um, that, um, Kierden is right up there with Farmer Maggot. Uh, totally agree. Totally agree. Um, Okay. Yeah, I agree, Finn. Farmer Maggot would have uh, uh, would have been a great wielder of an elven ring. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. But all that has been wrought by those who wield the three will turn to their undoing, and their minds and hearts will become revealed to Sauron if he regains the one. See, that's... That's fascinating. We'll turn to their undoing. I think the first very many times I read this passage, I don't remember when I finally noticed that this was not correct, but um, but I know it was very, very late in my, in my reading of the... Um, uh, in, in my reading of the passage. Uh... 
I always read that as basically saying, like, basically, all that has been wrought by those who wield the three will be undone, is I think how I'd always kind of read it in my head, right? That, like, all the good that has been accomplished by the three rings is going to get unaccomplished, right? We'll, we'll all be wrecked and ruined um, if Sauron gets, if Sauron regains the one. But, of course, it's not what he says. He says... All that has been wrought will turn to their undoing, that is, to the undoing of those who wield the three. And their minds and hearts will become revealed to Sauron. Now, their minds and hearts being revealed to Sauron seems enough to bring about their undoing, right? Um, But I really wonder what the first half of that sentence means. All that has been wrought by those who wield the three will turn to their undoing. If Sauron regains the ring. Um, That he will be able to corrupt them? Through what they've done? Like, that he will twist it? Twist them? Lothlorien, Right? Lothlorien is going itself, Lothlorien itself is going to be the undoing of Goadriel if Sauron regains the one. Um, yeah, I don't know what that means. Bobby, it could mean the rapid Merkwoodification of Lothlorien that he gains control over what the rings have wrought, and so he would gain control over their lands and be able to twist their lands against them. But see, I, I don't... I don't know. I tend to think it's a little bit more vague than that. Less about the works, like... It's not about the Malorn trees themselves so much as that greater preservation of all things, you know? You will preserve all things unstained, but you will wish that it had not been so. Sorry, I'm thinking inescapably for a moment of Diggory's apple at the end of the magician's nephew, um, and Aslan telling him what would have happened, just what Aslan always says he doesn't do, um, tells Diggory what would have happened had he stolen one of the apples and taken it to his mom. Um, I'm not going to talk about that more, because it's not relevant. You can't do that. Um, That is, you can't go to a C.S. Lewis story to explain a Tolkien story. They're not the same. Um, but anyway, sorry, I just couldn't help but think of that. Um, Bjorn in Exile says, so maybe the bearers of the three have been influenced by their rings to the same degree as Frodo is wraithified. So Sauron converts the connection of the three to the rings to wraithification near instantly. I don't think he can wraithify them. The, like Elrond and Goadriel, necessarily. 
But Bjorning, that's exactly the direction that I was kind of thinking. And when I was saying it's not necessarily about the trees, like it's not necessarily about the actual works that they've done that like, you know, the power of the valley, like, you know, um, he, Sauron is going to make a flood come and turn against Elrond, right? In Rivendell. Um, it's not, not just outward material things like that, but yes, I was thinking more generally about, um, all that has been wrought by those who wield the three will turn to their undoing. That is, if I could rephrase this, it will turn out to be their undoing that they wrought things with the three elf rings, right? Um, that the kind of power that that will give... So remember, Celebrimbor. How does Celebrimbor foil Sauron's plan? By taking off the ring, right? He takes, he does off his ring as soon as he is aware of Sauron's forging of the one, right? Um, but think about it. He hadn't been wearing it for very long. He didn't have a connection with that ring. He had not yet had time to, you know, do much with it. They have. Elrond and Goadriel are now bound to these rings much more than Celebrimbor ever had a chance to be, right? And maybe in that sense, Bjorning in Exile, Sauron, it will give Sauron, it will lead to their undoing. They will become, they will be subject to him in ways like it's, I mean, are they going to be able to just take off their rings and then be immune to his control? It doesn't sound like it, right? Elrond says their minds and hearts will become revealed to Sauron if he regains the one, right? Whether they take their rings off or no, right? Um, so, yeah, that's, that's when I, so when I said something more um, big, you know, more kind of abstract, that's definitely the kind of direction that I was, uh, that I was thinking about. Um, it would be better if the three had never been. That is his purpose. Now that does make it sound like he is going to gain control over the things, the works that they have done. So yes, there I can see uh, more of an argument for like, um, as someone was suggesting, the Merkwoodification of Lothlorien, for instance, right? That um, where the... Um, you know, the unstained influence of Galadriel was spread throughout the forest before suddenly the um uh suddenly the the power of Sauron will now be equally spread throughout the forest. Yes. Um but I think it also it's gonna mean their personal undoing too, not only their kingdom's undoing, not only the reversal of the work. Um yeah. Yeah. Imladris would become an unhomely house. Yes, a very unhomely house indeed. Uh, Draw Snake, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that he would gain control. Again, I, I don't think it's wraithification. I don't think they would become wraiths. Um, Kurtzimus says, is it because they've expended themselves through their rings? No, I don't think so. 
I don't think so. Sorry, Christmas, the reason I'm pausing there for a second is I'm wondering, could that be why they've gained these things with sorrow? That it's cost them? Hmm. Hmm. Um... Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I don't see it. I mean, if anything, Goadriel's danger is not that she is going to lessen herself by dispersing her power through her land, but rather that she's gonna not lessen herself, right? That she's not gonna, she's gonna refuse to diminish and go into the West. Um, Yeah, exactly trifle. She says I'll diminish and go into the West after she's made the choice, right? Um, Yeah, oh, I totally agree with that, Nancy. Nancy, thinking of some horrible kinds of preservation. Um, You know, zombies, maybe vampires. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you want to preserve all things unchanged? Okay. Yeah, we can arrange that. Um, You know, that Lothlorien, under the power of Sauron, who had the One Ring, could become... uh, Remember, he is the necromancer, right? Um, you know, could become this this land of living death. Yeah, yeah. No, I could see that. Kind of like that, actually. Um, right, heir of Numenor, exactly. The risk with uh, Galadriel always is that she's going to biggen herself instead of lessening herself. Exactly. That's exactly right. Um, yes. Um Right, instead of Barrow Whites, you'd have Malorn Whites. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, hmm. um, right, like the Neapolitan soldiers that Strange brings back to life. Right, yeah. Jonathan Strange, you mean, in the in the in the novel, yeah, yeah. Um old man Malorn. Oh man. Oh man. Um yeah, yeah. Um, wasn't Celebrimbor diminished because of the three? Was he? I, we, we know very little about Celebrimbor, man. I, I, um, I don't know. I don't know whether he was or not. All I know is that... I can't think of any definite example where that happens to elves, you know? Um, Where elves make things and it lessens them. It seems to be a different dynamic. Yes, sub-creation doesn't diminish, only domination diminishes. Yes, yes. What diminishes Melkor is not making things, it's 
asserting his dominion over things. He has to disperse his spirit, his will, into matter in order to retain the kind of control over it that he wants. Right? Feanor's mum? Ah, well, that's a tricky subject, uh, Frumius. Um, Yeah. Let's just say that Muriel's a bad data point. I'm not going to make any proofs based on that case. Um, yeah, yeah. But see, I don't think that um, having a great work that you can only accomplish once means that you've lessened yourself, Fourth Dallas. I really don't. Um, is Yovana lessened by having made the tree? She says she can't do it again, but that's not the same thing as saying that she is lessened because of it. Um, yeah, I don't think that those are the same at all. Um, but, um, anyway, so I don't, I don't see any reason to believe that the elf rings work that way, that they, that they cause you to expend yourself in the way that Sauron does expend himself and that, uh, Melkor did clearly expend himself. Um, uh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, let's go on with Elrond here. What then would happen if the ruling ring were destroyed as you counsel? Asked Glowen. Asked the still pretty patient Glowen, who's just gotten the hand to the face. Right? I mean, he just laid his cards on the table and said, will they not say? And then Elrond said... No. No, we will not say. And is not permitted to speak. People are like, well, that's probably the White Council. Yeah, and there's a quorum of the White Council present in the room for crying out loud, so I don't take that as an excuse either. Um, So what am I saying? Am I saying that I think it's sketchy? That I think it's a bad sign that Elrond won't reveal it? I don't know. Maybe I am saying that. Maybe I am saying that. I don't know that I want to go quite that far. Is there wisdom in maintaining the secrecy of the elf rings? Yes. I mean, I think there's definitely there's definitely wisdom in it. I don't think that they're just being greedy. I don't think that they're just showing their corruption in doing that. Um, but, um, uh, but yeah, yeah. Um, Glowen, though, notice that Glowen doesn't just take it. He doesn't just not rise to the fact that he's just been refused, uh, that the elves have refused to reciprocate. Um, But he's top-spinning Elrond's own statement back to him, right? But then what would happen if the ruling ring were destroyed as you counsel? Is there an element of, so what what are you elves up to here? Um, it would be better if the three had never been. That is his purpose. So why then are you arguing exactly that the ruling ring should be destroyed? Um, because again, going back to um, the options, right? To hide the ring forever or to unmake it. Um, Elrond has just said what would happen if Sauron regains the one. These horrible things would happen if Sauron regained the one. 
but taking the ring to Mordor to cast it into the fire is taking a very great risk that he will indeed regain the one. The chucking it into the ocean plan seems a better plan than that if the goal is merely to, like, play keep away, right? To If we want the highest odds that Sauron is not going to get his hands on the ring, um, the chucking in the, in, the, in, in the ocean plan seems better than the let's take it into Mordor plan, right? Um, so is, um, is Glowin probing a little bit here? You advised us, Elrond, to destroy the ruling ring. Out of curiosity, what would happen there? What would, um, what would be the result of that? And Elrond answers sadly that they don't know for certain. Some hope that the three rings which Sauron has never touched, let me emphasize again, would then become free, and their rulers might heal the hurts of the world that he has wrought. But maybe... When the one has gone, the three will fail, and many fair things will fail and be for, fade and be forgotten. That is my belief. Elrond does hear, um, yes, JJ, I agree. I think in the end, Elrond comes around and is recipro- reciprocally open with Glowin, right? Let me lay it on the table for you, Glowin. What I am suggesting... um, I mean, you think about Appendix A and what Appendix A says about the whole, you know, lose-lose situation, in a sense, right, of the War of the the Ring for Elrond. Um, It's lose-lose all the way round, in one sense, right? Um, If they send the Ring to Mordor, as he has suggested, either... Very likely, Sauron will recover it, which is a disaster, or the three rings will fail, many fair things will fade and be forgotten. Also, modestly disastrous, right? Um, but less disastrous than the other one. Um, he here reveals that they're taking, not only that he's willing to take a gamble, on very serious consequences happening to himself personally, but though he hasn't confessed that element of it, um, but he's also saying that even if if we do the thing that I am suggest, I have nothing to gain from this. I believe that I have nothing to gain from this. Um, here's my theory. My theory is Elrond can here, that Glowin is pushing a little bit, that there's a little bit of, I think, in my opinion, perfectly justified suspicion in Glowin's question. What would happen if the ruling ring were destroyed as you counsel? What are you up to? What do you have to gain from this? And Elrond says, some hope that the three rings which Sauron has never touched would then be free and their rulers might heal the hurts of the world that he has wrought. That's, I think, what he, Elrond, suspects that Glowin suspects, right? That the elves would profit by this. This is our chance, the elves' chance. Better to throw everything else on the hazard, right? Let's take a gamble on destroying the One Ring, because, man, if we can destroy the One Ring, 
then the three rings will be free and will be able to heal the hurts of the world, a.k.a. turn the world into an elf paradise, right? No problems. Um, is that your plan, Elrond? Is that is that is this to benefit the elves? Are you trying to uh, if 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 his regaining the ring is going to create this problem, you're trying to clear yourself of that problem, right? And so Elrond first seems to sort of acknowledge, yeah, some might say that, some might think that, but I don't. Here's what I think is going to happen. If we succeed in doing what I am suggesting we do, we elves are going to lose everything that we have. Everything that we have in Middle-earth is going to fade and be forgotten. That's what I think will happen if we destroy the ring. And that, I think, that's what seems in the end to satisfy Glowen, right? Um, Even though Elrond has not admitted it, right? Um even though he is not um uh he's not confessed that he has a ring he's not um he's pretending i'm uh, not pretending that's too harsh a word he's suggesting that there's some higher power that is not permitting him to speak uh of uh the presence of the three rings um but he is making it pretty clear this is not to their advantage. In fact, it's only, I mean, the good outcome here is, is merely the second worst outcome for the elves, really. Um, and then notice, this is when Gorfindel comes in. Yet all the elves are willing to endure this chance if by it the power of Sauron may be broken and the fear of his dominion be taken away forever. It's worth it. All the elves are willing to endure this chance. We all throw in on this. No elf is arguing against it for this reason. Um, And this really strengthens Elrond's position. Um, Yeah, yeah. Um, Right, Tormar is wondering how many elves uh, exactly Gorfindel has polled uh, in making this claim. Um, I think that... um, Right, yeah, JJ is wondering that too. Um, uh, No, I I don't think that he's necessarily uh, polled all of the elves in saying this. I think it does... (laughs) Sorry, I just saw Nancy's comment. Who's sitting on Galdor during this speech? <laughs> oh, man, poor Galdor. Um, right, Bjarne Sonner says, uh, we pulled the wise, no one else matters. Yeah, yeah. Though Lady Okada points out that it, they, they have had time to ask them all. Uh, you know, it's, they could have been quite uh, uh, <laughs> quite thorough. Um, yes, yes. Um but um yeah, yeah. Um but Matt, I agree. Uh would you want to be the one who disagrees with Gorfindel? Yeah, I, it, Matt, you're right. There's almost like this implication. Yet all the elves are willing to endure this chance. 
aren't we elves? Yes, sir. Willing to endure the chance. Yes, sir. That's just what we are, Gorfindel, sir. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I would agree with Gorfindel, too. Um, um, yeah, yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, It does suggest, somebody was mentioning this before, and I agree, it does suggest, the elves have been discussing this, right? You know, this has been, um, the, the, they're not having to make a spontaneous call here. The elves are all in, willing to endure this chance. Um, they know, they've, they've discussed this. There has been the theory that the elves, will, that the rings will become free. Elrond does not believe that it is true, and he's in a pretty good position to know. Um... Uh, you know what I've always wondered? I wonder what Elrond's experience of having the one ring in his house is, you know? Um, like, can he feel it? Can he sense it? Is there... I mean, I know it's not being wielded by Sauron, nor is it even really being wielded by somebody who, like, fully claims it as his own, but but I wonder. You know, I wonder if... Uh, um, what kind of intangible relationship he has with the ring. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah, exactly, Dishwabi. I know it's not being really entirely wielded right now, but still, it's 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 there. You know, it's right there. Um, yeah, I agree, Druid's Fire. He certainly gets at least a plus one dread when he's around it, no question. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, okay. Um, for Thalmas, I agree. It's got to be a pretty significant temptation. Another thing which is played down, right? You know, I will not take the ring to wield it, he said. Um, and that's, that's pretty significant. There has to be some temptation there. Definitely. Um, yeah. <laughs> Turnbar says, uh, in my head, Gorfindel will from now on be glaring at Galdor <laughs> across the table in this scene. All the elves are willing to endure this chance. Um, <clears throat> yes, yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, I know. I know Gandalf couldn't really tell. But see, he could. A shadow fell on his heart. He didn't know what it meant, right? Um, but he did feel something about the ring, right? He didn't know what it meant. He didn't know what it was. Uh, he didn't know how to interpret it. Um, but Gandalf does testify that uh, the ring gave him a funny feeling from day one. Um, so, um, so yeah, I, I think I, 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 you know, and no, like he was feeling foreboding. He was feeling, um, you know, a shadow on his heart doesn't just mean that necessarily. But, um, but still, but still. Uh, if you tell me that <clears throat> Gandalf hasn't felt it, I will not respond by saying, but Tolkien didn't figure out that Gandalf had a ring yet. I will stay and say instead, sure, he felt it. He totally had a bad feeling about this, Catriona, uh, to be more apt to the day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay. So... 
<laughs> Dishwab says, is Galor more afraid of Mordor's armies invading the Havens or of Gorfindel? I know which one I would be afraid of more if I were sitting in that room right then. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, anyway. Okay. Um, Gorfindel emphasizes here the breaking of the power of Sauron is more important, right? That the fear of his dominion be taken away forever. Um, we are willing to endure this chance. Chance is interesting, right? You know, this is also Gorfindel saying, Elrond has a good and well-grounded theory, but it's not proven, right? Maybe it'll turn out better than we think, right? But nevertheless, even if it were to be true that many fair things will fade and be forgotten, it would be worth it. It would be worth it to do. And here he's basically coming around and backing up what Gandalf said before, right? You know, it's not up to them to take thought just for, uh, you know, just for a day, right? It's, 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 they should try to make uh, a, um, uh, they should try to make an end, even if they don't hope to make one. So we will see. We will see um, what happens, because of course our next discussion from here is going to hope and despair and wisdom and folly, right? As we evaluate, let's uh, let's really think through. Can we think through the cost-benefit analysis here? You know, can we really, um, um, you know, let's apply some, you know, let's do a SWOT analysis or something and try to figure out, uh, you know, if this is really the best strategic plan that we can be making at this particular moment. Um, that's where we will go next. Um, so with that, I'm going to end only a little bit late. Um, and we got through an entire slide, slide and a paragraph. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, so thanks for joining me for our text discussion tonight. Um, tune in next time when we, uh, uh, think through the decision when we return back to this question of destroying the ring in the fire. Thank you all for joining me. And it is, uh, it is time uh, to, um, great, it is time to do our field trip. Oh, hang on a second. There we go. Got to make it redraw my screen here. There we go. All right. And um, uh, unfortunately, Valori couldn't be here with us tonight because um, uh, she's having a weather down by her. There were storms and her internet got knocked out earlier today. Um, so uh, I, I knew she wasn't going to be able to be with us here today, but we're going to return uh, uh, up there to the north uh, to the Wells of Lang Flood and uh, I'm going to go back to Limlock. Let's meet up at Limlock and we can uh, we can ride out from there. Lady Lakata, yes, she's where the tornado warnings were. Uh, she was texting me earlier, and she's like, well, the good news is it doesn't look like we're going to get hit by a tornado. But, um, yeah, so, uh, yes, she was in the middle of that roughness over there uh, this afternoon. And she was without both power and internet uh, for a while. I think power might have come back, but her internet was still dodgy. So... Speaking as a former ISP employee, internet is always dodgy after a storm of that magnitude. Yeah. yeah. Good evening, and it's Druid's Fire. Good subs- evening, Druid's being Fire. Being a substitute companion. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. 
I appreciate your coming in. So it's time to go back to Sundergrot. We're going to have fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there were some folks uh, on low-level characters in the lower hall. Unfortunately, I did not feel comfortable adding them in because <laughs> they would not be able to port here anyway. Right, they're going to die horribly, right, and would not be able to port here, yes. Uh, it is one of yeah. the downsides. Like, the upside, I guess we can we can take off here. Um, you know, the upside of um, uh, exploring places like this is that I've never been here before, and I'm... You know, I'm, I'm exploring things that I've never seen, and that's always really fun. Um, but the downside is that, yes, it's level 100. What is this? A level 135 area? Sorry. Nope. Uh, level 120 plus. 120? Oh, we'll see. There we go. I'm on level plus. for this area. No, you're not. I'm 120. I'm a wuss, but I'm 120. It'll be fine. As long as you stay near me, you'll be... Uh... You'll be able to take advantage of shield wall. Oh, and I'll yeah, take all no your problems. damage. No problems. Um, but uh, yeah, so so I want to go back to the strikingly blue Sundergrot that we found, mm -hmm. which is really fun. So we're gonna we're headed back to the um, dwarf bridge. And I was pretty sure that on the upper side from that dwarf bridge, we would find some kind of nice schmancy Moria outlet place um, where the dwarves, you know, some kind of trade entrance into Moria. Uh, because it seemed fairly clear that this bridge was originally constructed in the pre-Balrog period um, mm -hmm. before Moria was abandoned. Um, and we had been speculating likely to, um, you know, for trade routes across Mirkwood, uh, especially with the kingdom of Rovanian, if not with just with the elves of Mirkwood, uh, for trade, I mean, um, and this bridge did not look like a super old bridge. Like it didn't look like a, oops. Sorry, I thought I could go under there because I have to go around. Nope. Um, okay. Uh, so, yeah, it, it definitely looked like, a, you know, a, a third age bridge to me. Um, so, therefore, I was expecting to find a dwarf ruin up here, which indeed we did. And there's stuff over there, but I'm not going to look at that yet because we'll get there eventually. Patience, grasshopper. Because I want to go back up. The oh, there's a warg. I made it all the way to here without aggroing anything. Which is why I was like zigging around and running into trees and stuff before. Okay. <laughs> now. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. Yeah, well, also steering and talking at the same time is not my best skill. But, so, so hang on, I'm looking at it from a distance first. So from a distance, we can see how much it is attached to the side of the hill, right? This is not a freestanding thing. This is not a, a fortress on a hill. This is for, like, highly defended outlets from the hill, right? That's, that's, that's pretty clear. So again, that's what I more or less expected, um, that we were going to be finding this kind of, um, you know, Moria outlet up here. 
Now, we got as far as the bridge last time, and I kind of tried not to look at it too carefully. But... And to me, it's a little bit fascinating because you're seeing this out of order. Right. Even though it's in order for you, it's out of order for gameplay. So the rest of, like, you're fascinated by these blue walls. And Oop. we're like, yeah, we've been there, done that. Right, right. Yep. It is true. And I'm assuming... You're probably referring to... I mean, there's a lot of dwarf content I have not seen mm -hmm. in the game uh, because I have not done the northern um, Mirkwood and the Iron Hills. So there's a lot yes. of dwarf content that I have not seen yet. Um, okay. All right, so blue and gold, lots of gold overlay. Now, the first thing we can notice is that there's been some reconstruction of this bridge. Um, it looks a little bit less wonky, doesn't it, than the bridge we yeah. just crossed over, which was also reconstructed? Yeah, and there's a lot of uh, goblins on the other side, by the way. Okay. Right now, yes, I see them. Um, I guess this is still probably... I mean, it's raw enough to be goblin construction. Um, but it does look sturdier, doesn't it, Lady Wakata? I mean, it's just... It doesn't look as crude as goblin stuff normally. I mean, it doesn't look dwarf-make either, but... Um, I mean, it is interesting that it is a little sturdier. Whereas you compare it to, you know, their other works. I mean, like, look down here, for instance, at, um, like, this little tent here, right? Or um, or that stand over there, you know, this, uh, like, lookout stand here. Yeah, they did seem to, the, the goblins here did seem to start uh, building a bit more um, in a sturdy and, and less... Um, harsh and crude fashion yeah it's it's though you know i admit this stand looks a little less rickety than i expected it to look like the boards are kind of squared off right it's mm -hmm. not just they're not just raggedy off the side um the you know the uh the posts are all like of a length and stuff it's got these awkward props and things sticking in which is a little sloppy um but it's not, I mean, I could easily believe that those who made this little watch stand uh, also made that bridge. Though, see, this tent is exactly more like the kind of thing, these tents, I should say, um, sticks tied together with ropes and with skulls hanging off them, um, is more like goblin make that I've come to expect. Right, but they're still a little bit more refined. I mean, the the... The poles, the sticks are straighter. They're not just hacked off. Mm -hmm. So the, it seems as maybe there's two different groups going on here. Maybe. Like one who's doing a little bit more refined work and then a group that's taking a little less pride in their craftsmanship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. All right, well, I'm not going to head down that way yet. But 
I've been looking at all the goblin workmanship and haven't been looking at the dwarf workmanship yet, but this is so... Look at the asymmetry again, like we were noticing mm-hmm. before. The star, which is in the middle, but set off on the side so that it's half eclipsed by the edge of the arch there. Um, right, right. Yeah. Though... They're symmetrically asymmetrical <laughs> on either side here, which is kind of fun. Um, which suggests there's like a larger pattern. If I back up until I fall off the cliff, maybe I'll see it. Or back up until you're on the bridge. Yeah. Right, okay, so those two posts would have been symmetrical, but it broke off. Yeah, this too, I mean, it looks, the stone looks so much cleaner, and this gold. I mean, like the gold overlay. Could it be like brass or a it bronze? But brass. wouldn't have that oxidized over time? Well, that's why I was thinking gold, because gold does not oxidize mm-hmm. so much over time. But um, but it kind of also implies that the fact that goblins and orcs don't really care about gold that much, because um, if they did, they would have scraped it all off or another way otherwise looted it. I, I mean, yeah, it that is interesting. Um, hmm. I don't remember seeing anything like this, you know, Star of David with rose inside, you know, that we see here. Um, I don't know if he'll spit Casa Doom to me, but... Maybe it is. Maybe alternative... Maybe and is. Tomas says maybe it's just pyrite. Right, the gold? gold? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, possibly. But I don't know that a goblin or orc would necessarily know the difference between the two. They would just see the color and go, hmm. Maybe. Yep, Emily, I'm looking forward to exploring Moria. Yep, yep. Yeah, it, as opposed it is to the possible. Time we through it. Yeah, it, exactly. It is possible that uh, Moria. Exploring, we will have enough to do exploring Moria to keep us occupied during the entire time that we're reading the Moria text. It is possible that it will, we will not run out of exploration before we run out of text. There. One of the few places in the game that can stand up to equal levels of scrutiny. Um, but we'll see how that goes. So just looking at the designs... Yeah, um, Emily is correct. Uh, Scarhold is the place I was re- obliquely referring to. Mm-hmm. Where we first see this blue stone as, as players going uh, questing in the Grey Mountains. Hmm. Ooh, hey, I can open the doors. Yep, there's a lot of baddies inside. Well, I figured. I know. I'm not sure, Lady Lakata, what's up with the freestanding obelisks. Um, I mean, it is a very striking element of the architecture here. Outside, I mean. Huh, interesting that we get stalactites right away. Mm Mm-hmm. This, I would not have expected this, you know, unfinished roof from the start.
Hmm. The floor, at least, is well paved, although... Dirty. Filthy, right? Which is what you well, expect. Some of it could be falling from the stalactites above. It could. But not much, I don't think. But there's rough stone everywhere. This is very strange. It's possible it could be unfinished? Well, no, I mean, if like... they hadn't actually completed digging out everything yet? Oh, that it was actually incomplete, the building. Mm-hmm. Maybe. So the stone that we're, st that we're standing on looks like it was debris um, that yeah. was deposited in some fashion on an already completed floor. Hmm. Yeah, no, the floor is complete. But I'm seeing stalactites everywhere I look. Up ahead, this just seems to devolve into a tunnel. No, a blank wall. With stalagmites growing out of the floor? What are they doing? That's super weird. This has to be an artistic choice. Like we're just going to leave bugs. those stalagmites. Bugs? I'm seeing bugs on the ground. Looks like cockroaches emanating out of this. Oh. I'm guessing it's rancid meat or something on the ground. There are bugs. I've never seen that before. Hmm? Whoa. Huh. Bizarre. Um, so this hallway goes nowhere and ends into an unfinished wall with stalagmites and stalactites and stalagmites and stalactites in the hallway here, too. It's strange because they've not only carved the stone for the walls, but they've decorated it like it's it's covered. It's it's overlaid with the gold, you know. So that it's mm -hmm. it's it's shinier and more finished looking than usual. More than just it would be if it were merely smoothed and carved, I mean. Right, like they did a massive gold leaf enterprise on it or something. Right. And yet, at the same time, they've... You know, at the same time, they've, they've left... It's, it goes nowhere. And they've left all these stalagmites and everything. How very perplexing. And if there's all these doors of chambers that we can't get into, of course. Right. What were they for? Were they... Was it a dwelling? Like, people lived here? Well, I wouldn't think so, but it doesn't look anything like what I expected. That is, I expected a big hall because I expected this to be an outlet, you know, like mm -hmm. now it could be an outpost. So you'd have people living here, or at least near here. The people who are, you know, coming this way to, tr you know, this is the this area inside the doors would be right. It would be like the last 
you know, the last hotel, right? Be the last possibly dwarven homely house before they leave to go out into the wild to, you know, embark on the overland leg of their uh, trade mission. Um, JJ has a great question. Wait, which one? JJ had a question. How long would it take for the stalactites and stalagmites to form if there was a leak in here? I would say on the order of hundreds of years, but yeah, we're it would have to be hundreds of years. I mean, now you know they've had hundreds of years, but not that many hundreds of years. These are huge stalagmites and stalactites. Mm-hmm. This would take like thousands of years, I would imagine. I would think it would have to take thousands of years. We're not really seeing any evidence of dripping or water. I mean, there is, there are water places in here, but mm-hmm. they're just like a regular underground river kind of dealio. It's not like you can see the the stalactites and stalagmites. Yeah, and there doesn't seem to be anything in here. Just these doors and all these blank hallways. Yeah, they're for a quest. How peculiar. And we've got these little goblins. Okay, well, here's... Seems to go somewhere up there. This is just another blank hallway, right? Yeah, just another blank hallway. See, if this had been like right inside the front door, right? If the front door, oops, if the front door had been up this hall, up this stairwell, to this kind of colonnaded hall with another big set of stairs going up, two double stairs going up. Oh, yeah. This is just what I would have been looking for. So it took us a while to get to it, but but I can see it. Um, so this is the way you get from... It's uh, no, it dead ends. Are you serious? No, there's this. There's a ramp up. There's a door. Where's their ramp? Over here. Oh, back the other way. Does it meet up with the other one? Oh, no. There's another one up there, vaguely over there. Hmm, does it go around? Yeah, it's a bit of a warren in here. It is. I do love the purple crystals, by the way. Mm-hmm. I kind of wish they'd stop setting me on fire. It's a little rude. Sappers are rude. Yes, they are. But look, it's me, the lore master, complaining about setting people on fire. <laughs> a little uh, bit of irony there, yeah. A little bit of irony. Uh, now, uh, oh, and now I'm in Sundergrot again? You've always been in Sundergrot. I know, but it just appeared on my screen again. Oh, we're outside. Try not to Rivendell this bridge in the dark. Yep. 
Also, you want to be careful. Um, you can look down the hall, down the way, and see a little bit down the cliff. Yeah, I'm trying to see down the cliff. So where are we? Up. Okay, so we're looking down the river there. So that's where we're down this waterfall is where we came in? Yes. Can't see the bridge from here, but... Because it's that far down. Right. And there, as if you turn around and look up, as you are, there is another bridge up there. Right. Right, another bridge across. But again, this bridge has a lot of the, the same... Um, formal um you know like the the wood is is not crudely mm -hmm. you know lashed together or anything right right yeah i agree i'm even just trying to look is there evidence that the dwarves had a bridge there i guess they must have done i would imagine they did and if it's possible maybe this place was attacked and they threw down the bridges to prevent you know enemies from getting further Perhaps. Because that was supposed to be the thing about the Bridge of Casa Doom, was it was meant to be a choke point. Right, right. Yeah, it might not have, it might be not there anymore because it was designed to be a not very right. strong bridge. Hmm. Well, it's certainly no direct path. In from Moria, that's for sure. Nope. So I think this is a little bit further north than Moria. But speaking of Moria and connections to the outside world, as I told you, um, and the rest of the community may not be aware of, that uh, Standing Stone is working on letting us see the Battle of Azanulbazar. Bazaar, yes. But thank you. And there's going to be some updates that may reflect or change what we're doing in here. Is it going to be a session play? Uh, no, it's going to be like Mordor Besiege, which is set in the past. So it's like a whole new map of the Dimmerald Dale based on the battle. But some of the details, scenario, the developer working on it uh, said um, that some of those details would be coming to the regular game, into the to the present. Huh. And I apologize for my howling cat. <laughs> it kind of seems uh, topical. Yeah, he crashed my Signum Path class with Dr. Brown, too. <laughs> I just look at the bridge that we're on. Yeah, this one's more solid. This is not a bridge I would expect to go no, falling down. Definitely not. Okay, so if this was not a path into Moria, was this then another clan of dwarves? Just like the labyrinthine headquarters of another, a different clan of dwarves? Well, part of it, to be fair, is um, some of these places were created by one of the other clans of dwarves that was created by Standing Stone. Sure. So there's a lot of game lore that could inform these questions that I'm hesitant right. to mention beyond that but there right. yes to answer your question in the short term there is another clan right what is this uh purple stuff is this 
This is an ore, is it? Mineable ore? It's not mineable ore? Or is it? Um, I don't see a name tag on it. Yeah, but it, it uses the same model as the Minas Ithil ore. Yeah, it looks vaguely like ore. I think it's not right that you catch fire in the area even if you jump over it. It seems to me not fair. Yep. I think it's not a path. I think these are halls, but you know what I've not seen? I've not found we've not found anything like a, you know, anything like a um And this is more rough. I mean, there's hardly any of this is, is finished. Yeah. There's a very great deal of unfinished stone still. And it seems to be a choice. I mean, I think it's an artistic choice. It's an interesting one, especially because of the contrast with the highly finished and shiny gold. Mm -hmm, definitely. Uh, we found the upper bridge. Oh, I done died. Oops. Thank goodness I've got a free revive. Yeah, it's okay. Me oh, you too. got... Well, um... yeah, I knew I was not going to be long uh, after here. I'm just going to hang out for a little bit. I, I'll be honest, you got further here than I thought you would. <laughs> what, especially with me running on ahead down the halls and aggroing yeah. every, uh, everybody in sight? Okay, we do have a minstrel in the group. Um, Hologrow, Hologrow on Saganoth. Can you res Corey for us, please? Oh, it's okay. I can revive. I was just waiting for everybody, all the bad guys to die. But why spend money to revive when we've got a healer in a group? Oh, well, it doesn't cost money. Not the first time. It's free the first time. <laughs> um... Okay. And as you can see, we have a Gundabad warrior hanging out by this bridge. Hmm. Okay. Well, I was hoping, I think I'm, we're out of time. We're not going to find anything like a sort of throne room or anything like that, are we? I don't believe so. I think we're almost done, but I did see a bridge up above. Yeah. Whoa, big fire. Big fire, little goblin, he died. Oh, I forgot to shield walled you. My bad. Yeah, no worries. Hmm. Oh, wow, we have gone quite a ways here, haven't we? Ooh, there's a... Yes, indeed. How did I miss the stable master down there? I didn't even see him. Oh, well. Because that would have been handy. Yeah, I mean, this is just another dead end, isn't it? Yes, it yep. is. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, a lot of this is just more of the same. Pretty it much. looks like it. It looks like it. Yep. No, this is clearly a, a residential area. So therefore, I'm going to say 
barring any evidence from within Casa Doom itself, which might cause me to revise my opinion. Yeah, as Hologro says, um, they've pretty much seen everything that's in here. Yeah, yeah, I think that the the evidence suggests that this is a different clan of dwarves with a rather odd aesthetic. Um, I want to know where they got all the blue stone from. Yeah, I wonder that too. Is it like lapis lazuli or something? But even so, that's a ton of it. That's, even if it just yes. has an applique on on the outside of a agreed um, a ton as a de- as a decoration, just a thin decoration would still need a ton of it. Yeah, especially knowing that Sunder, um that uh, Scarhold exists. Yeah. So. Uh, Yep, so I think this is a different clan, um, which would have set up... So they could... Because where are we here? Right-click, right-click. We're up here. So yeah, we're just south of Gundabad. Um, So these would be dwarves who would be trading separately then with the elves of Mirkwood and with the dwarves, or sorry, with the humans. Right, because one of the of things uh, is that each clan has, you know, they're they're more loosely, you know, they're not like one people. Like if we're talking about, you know, Glorfindel speaking for all elves, saying, hey, we're happy to lose, you know, our special rings if it means everybody else doesn't have to deal with Sauron again. Right. Um, the dwarves are not like that, and they haven't been seen to be like that. Mm-hmm. They're they're mm-hmm. more each clan is its own autonomous structure, so they would have their own separate trade agreements. Right. Definitely. So I wonder which one annoyed the Bjornings enough that the Bjornings charged all dwarves extra tolls. <laughs> right. Right. Yes. Yeah. Even uh, Bjorn himself in the Hobbit seems to suggest that he's known other dwarves and considers. Thorin and Thorin's family to be more respectable than some of the other dwarves. Interesting. Okay, well, we should let people go. It's getting late. And that's, I think we've we've seen what there is to see inside of here. Next time, we will go down the other bank of the river and explore the areas down uh, by the junction of the two rivers and then yeah. continue on towards the north. Congrats for surviving Sundergrot. Oh, Many surviving. other people didn't. <laughs> yeah. No worries. Survived. Well, you guys did a great job. Died, you guys did a great <laughs> job. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, everybody, for joining me on our field trip. And we will be back for more explorations next week. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, and continuing on the Council of Elrond and then continuing in the Wells of Langflood. Thanks, everybody. Uh, good, thanks for joining us, and have a good night. Bye now. Bye.